There we go. There we are. Well, if you have a Bible, if you could perhaps turn to John chapter 15, that would be really helpful. I'll get this up a little bit higher. There we go. Good. John chapter 15. I want to say uh, we're going to look at the vine, a bit of viticulture, big word of the day, a bit of viticulture uh, in a moment, but I want to talk about the granary as well. So we're, we're mixing... Uh, we're mixing grain and grapes. You're not supposed to do that, I don't think. I mean, that gives you a headache, but uh, that's, what <laughs> that's what we're doing anyway. If you don't understand that, that's very good. <laughs> um, but just a little bit about the, um, the, uh, the granary, because um, a few people in the last um, couple of weeks have brought a prophetic word. So I just want to share uh, them. A prophecy is not the same as the Bible. I hope we understand that. A prophecy is one one someone shares uh, what, what they believe God's put on their heart and mind for what he's saying now. And uh, so it's our responsibility as, as Christians to sort of weigh that up. Uh, and I don't mean when I say weigh that up, that's rubbish or that's good. I mean, I mean we give it weight relative to uh, how much we feel. So there's things like, is the person a good person, a Christian person? That's, that's part of that. Is, is something biblical if it's unbiblical then we can uh, not not keep it uh, that kind of thing and we pray over it and say well what are you saying to us Lord so I just want to share two or three of those uh, a, a couple from a, a friend uh, of uh, of Debbie and my who was here last um, week he had two dreams he went to bed and dreamed that uh, asked God to speak to us about uh, Hope Church, and particularly the uh, the building project we're doing. And uh, the first in the first dream, he saw. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but when they used to build housing estates, they would put the concrete roads in first, but there were no houses and uh, curbstones. Sometimes even street lights would be there, and you drive past, and there'd be street lights on, but nothing built yet. Uh, at, but but when you drive past something like that, it's going to happen. But, but it hasn't happened yet. It's a work in, a work in progress. And, and he saw uh, the granary sort of laid flat as if it was a housing estate with the streetlights there. And it's just, just an encouraging word, really, that, that it's definitely ha- happening. The infrastructure's been put in. Uh, the lights are on. Uh, an investment from the Lord has already put in. So it's just a simple, but I thought, en- encouraging uh, word to us. Uh, the, the second one was he, he dreamed that um, our building fo- uh, fund was a, a bit like one of those TV programs where you, where you get an accumulator, I think they called it. just means they add it up, really, but they call it accumulator, and uh, where, where the money goes up. And, and he was uh, praying, and it was, it, it was as if the Lord was saying, it's, it's my accumulator. That the building fund is not your building fund, it's my accumulator. I, I own it, uh, and it went up and up. And uh, it stopped at the curious figure of 1,514,000, So, uh, which would be nice. So, um, so I, it's just something to pray into. That was what he saw. I think the fact of God, God saying, I'm putting in investment. The building fund's not your building fund. It's, it's my building fund. And uh, it just really encouraged me to, to continue uh, to pray. Uh, if I can put that alongside... Um, a verse in Ecclesiastes because we, we look a, around amongst ourselves and think well where where is this money coming from but we, we have a very rich father 
it's unfortunate he keeps his money in other people's accounts, but he's, he's a very rich father. And uh, there's a verse in Ecclesiastes um, that I think Gordon pointed out to me, where, where it even talks about unbelievers storing up wealth to hand it over to the people who please God. So I don't know what you make of that, but it's another great verse to pray into. Uh, and the third one was um, Dave Collett came to me last week and shared something that had been on his heart for a while. It concerned um, that battle that Gideon had. Um, do you remember that? It's in the book of Judges. She's off. Um, and uh, Daniel's uh, battle took place at a place called Moreh, M-O-R-E-H. Uh, and God, before that battle, had engineered the numbers not to work. Do you remember that? He whittled away, uh, um, he whittled away Gideon's army in various ways so that it looked more impossible. And then a bit later, it looked even more impossible. <laughs> and uh, it's a strange thing that God does that kind of thing. And, uh, and yet the battle took place in the, in, at the hill of Mori, the hill where God teaches you stuff. Uh, Mori actually means a place of teaching or the hill of the teacher, sometimes it's translated. Uh, it was also the place where when Abraham set out on his jo journey, he, he stopped and camped near the oaks of Moria. It was a place of teaching, and then God came to him and revealed more to him. And uh, Dave, Dave was basically saying that he felt that, that uh, it's not a surprise to God when numbers don't look right, but it's a place of teaching for us as a church. So I thought that, again, was really helpful for us to pause and say not just where do we get the money from but Lord what what are you teaching us through this and uh, my guess is that it's at least three things one is to pray uh, I mean we sort of know how to pray because it's very simple you you talk to a father who loves you that's just very simple um, but on the other hand sometimes we don't and and some of us are a lot better at praying when we're in trouble than when we're not in trouble you know how it is in life and so this is an opportunity to pray to God and say, Lord, can, can you open the windows of heaven? Lord, can you supply our needs? So I th I'm sure it's a place where we pause and learn to pray. I'm sure, it's a, I'm sure, absolutely sure, it's a place where we learn to give sacrificially. Uh, I, think, I think however God provides, it involves us doing our bit. Uh, we do our bit and then he does what we can't do. That's, I think, the way God usually works. And... and Thirdly, which is what I want to talk about this morning a bit, is he teaches us total dependency. And we, we do fairly frequently in life, I, I get to places where I know I can't, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> do, you ever, do you ever get to places like that? And, and God allows circumstances, not even always good things, allows circumstances to, to develop where we reach an end of ourselves. And we say, Lord, I, on my own, I can't do this. And uh, so that's why I want us to read the first five verses of John chapter 15, because it's a verse about our, our dependency and connection with uh, Jesus and how everything flows from him. So John chapter 15, Jesus is speaking uh, after Judas has betrayed him. It's before he dies for us in our place. And he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes or it can be translated he cleans so that it will be even more fruitful 
You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you do remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I like to think apart from him, well, I could do some things. But the truth is, apart from him, I can do nothing. I, I want to just very simply make, um, oh, you all right? What was that? Uh, six lessons. Six lessons just from this, this passage. And uh, the first one is a wonderful one, which is that Christians are one with him. He, he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Just try this little exercise. Can you imagine a vine with no branches? See, if, if you look at a vine, and I know, I know a bit about vines because every Sunday morning when I was a kid, I used to go with my father uh, to water. He's, he was a gardener. And we used to, he had a vast greenhouse, not his, his boss's. And uh, it had a huge vinery. It was, it was about the length of this hall if we cut off near the, uh, near the tables. And it had vines growing all along that wall and right up a train down to the other side. And then in the middle, he had lemon trees and orange trees and all sorts of other lovely stuff, all tropical stuff. And uh, so I used to go with him. So I know a bit about, about um, vines. And, and, and I know that really a vine sort of is the branches, really. It's not like an oak tree with a trunk and then branches. A vine sort of goes up and, and then it's, it's out. It's, it's all branches, really. It's, it's, you, you can't have a vine without branches. It's multiple branches and branches and branches. And I can remember my dad, and he put a lot of care and, and attention into caring uh, for these vines. It was his boss's pride and joy. There was, there was pruning, and then there was more pruning, and then there was pruning of the bunches. And, and then there was, uh, this word pruning can be translated cleaning, and they, they get diseases, and so you have to scrape down every branch as well. It's just, it's quite a lot of work to do that kind of looking after vines. But here's the thing. We are in him, and he is in us. That's what we've just read. Jesus is prepared to say, you're my branches, you're in me, and I'm in you. We're, we're indivisible. Isn't that, isn't that an amazing thing? Je Jesus, if I can put it like this, Jesus is not a stained glass window. He's not a dead teacher. He's a risen savior at the right hand of the Father. But he also says, when you trust in me, you're joined. The, the, the Bible, if you read the New Testament, you may not have noticed this phrase. Once you notice, you see it everywhere. The Bible says when you put your trust in Christ, when you say to him, come into my heart, if you pray that prayer, when you pray to him, Lord, be my savior and forgive me, whatever prayer you pray so that he's Lord of your life, when you put your trust in him, the Bible says this, he puts you in Christ. It, now I've said that, you'll probably start noticing it if you if you open your, dust your Bible down and start reading the New Testament. He puts you in Christ. The Bible says your whole life is hidden in Christ. When God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. It's vine and branches. Isn't that wonderful? That's a, that's, that's a grace thing. That's not because you got all clever and somehow inserted yourself into Jesus. What, wasn't that? It wasn't that you got good enough and got on a spiritual escalator and found yourself all holy 
No, no, no. It's a, it's a work of God's grace. The moment you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You are joined to me. We're one. Isn't that wonderful? That's much better than doing life on your own. So whatever you go through, you're connected with Jesus. You're in Christ. It's a wonderful thing. If you're not sure you are, then talk to him about it. Say, I want to be connected to you, Jesus. I I want your life to flow into me. I need your forgiveness. I want to be one with Jesus Christ. If you don't know much about him, read the Gospels. They're really great. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, here's the second point. What what Jesus was saying is that there's a life-giving union. It's not... It's not a status thing. You can join some clubs, can't you? you I could probably join the Rotary Club. But I, you know, you sign, you sign the thing and then your status changes or you, you become an official. Maybe if you do some exams, you can become a registered accountant. Yay! Become an accountant. Uh, you pass the exams you, you become, and, and you, then you can be, a, or you can be a state registered nurse or if they still exist, or you can be whatever it is. You become an official something. It's, it's, it's not like that. This, this is actually a life-giving union. Be, being a branch of a vine is about life. That's what it's about. That's, that's why he said, when you get a dead one, you lop it off. It's got, no, it's got no life in it. Being a branch is a life-giving union. A vine holds nothing back from the branches. Do you get that? It's... it's, it's I mean, you know the biology of it, some of you. It's, it's the, 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 its roots go down, its life flows through, the whatever it flows through, the sap rises. Its life comes from being in the vine. It pours life into them, nourishment, sap. And Jesus said, just what Jesus said, wasn't it? I've come so that you can have real life. That's what Jesus said. He said, this is eternal life. To know God and Jesus Christ, his son. To really know life comes from him. Now, the truth is, as Christians, sometimes we, we look for real life somewhere else. I'll get a buzz if I did this. I'd get a buzz if I took that. I'd be a buzz if I looked at the other. No, no, actually, real life flows from our union with Jesus. It flows from that connection. That's where it comes from. Life comes from being connected to Jesus. That's the wonderful thing about church is there's real life. If we open up our spirits, which takes a bit, what's all that about then? If we open up our hearts, real life from flows. So we're one with him by grace. It's a life-giving union. Here's the other side of that. There's total dependency. Total dependency. There is no life and no fruitfulness apart from from him and and some of us find that hard because it's humbling if we tend to think of ourselves as strong and capable now those of us who think of ourselves as as weak and needy maybe find it a bit easier but some of us who think of ourselves as strong and capable make it happen people we have to we have to keep learning this lesson you keep thinking you've learned it then you learn it again because actually the truth is we are totally dependent on jesus christ for forgiveness, for life, for eternal life, for hope beyond the grave, for strength to face tomorrow, totally dependent on him. Why? Because we're just branches. 
That's, that's who we are. On our own, individually, or even as a church, what, what is a, I'll tell you what a, a branch of a vine is separated from the vine. It's a stick. <laughs> if, if we separate ourselves and don't, if we're not flowing with Jesus, if we're not intimately connected with him, that's what we are. We're a stick. And a stick's not good for much. There's, there's a dryness that comes when we lose our connection with Jesus Christ. In fact, the Greek word he uses here for branch actually, actually literally is vine twig. So, so we're just twigs, we're just dry sticks, we're totally dependent on, on him. But here's the good news, that what comes from being connected with him is fruitfulness. Very simple this morning. Fruitfulness. Now, just note, it's very important. We don't try to be fruitful in order to qualify to be part of the vine. Do you, do you see that? You, you don't get some stick saying, if I'm a really good stick, maybe I'll get joined to the vine. And then, you know, and if, I, if I'm really fruitful, if I produce a bunch of grapes, <laughs> you know, it doesn't grow, 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 blossom. That doesn't work. It's not that actually we try to be really Christian and fruitful, and if we're really good and behave ourselves and get fruitful, then Jesus will let us be joined to him. That's, that's religion, really. When you, when you perform really hard in order to be good enough to qualify to be joined to Jesus. Hey, I made it. Oh, I messed it up. Oh, maybe I'm not then. Now, now that's, that's striving, that's legalism. It isn't true Christianity. It's not earning our place in the vine. What he's saying is, is if we stick close to Jesus, if we, if we receive the sap, the life from him, if we are just close with him, walk with him naturally, we bear fruit. That's, that's good news, isn't it? We don't have to try and be mm, strivy. I once, had a, I once had a really funny letter. It was a begging letter from, um, I don't know, it was somewhere in Africa. I didn't even know them. They got hold of our address when I led a church in Bedford. And we uh, <laughs> had this great thing asking for gazillions of pounds. And its strap line was producing fruity Christians. Because <laughs> that, that, if English is your second language, ask someone to explain. Not me, ask someone else. <laughs> Just got the English a bit wrong. But actually, I think producing fruitful Christians is great. But actually, that happens automatically if we stay joined to Jesus. I, I can't make you fruitful. I'm like, I can do what I, do. I do. We can all make our contribution. Actually, you're fruitful when you hang around with Jesus. You know, in the early church, when, when they were being really effective and people were getting healed and people were becoming Christians and, uh, and the world seemed like they were turning the world upside down, they said they took note of them that they'd been hanging around with Jesus. That's it. That was, there was no great certificate. There was no great legalism. There was no great anything apart from, hey, these guys, you can tell they've been hanging around at Jesus. Look at what they're producing. Look at the kind of lives they're living. Look at the effect they're having on other people's lives. Fruitfulness comes when we receive the life of the vine. Our part is just to remain, to dwell, to let the flat, the sap flow. Let the flap sow. Let the sap flow. 
It's absolutely natural. That's why he says in fine, you just remain in me. You'll bear much fruit. Simples. Verse 5, just remain in me and I'll remain in you and you'll bear much fruit. It's a natural fruit. Verse 8 says it's, a plen- it's plentiful. This is to my Father's glory. You'll bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciple. It's also long-lasting. Look at verse 16. I've chosen you. I've appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And then he links that to answered prayer. And it all comes from our relationship with Jesus. Our part is just to be dwelling with him, to remain with him. And fruitfulness comes. Here's the fourth thing. Fatherly pruning or dressing it can be called our father is a gardener heavenly gardener and he and he knows what he's about and because we are part of the vine we're part of what the bible calls the body of christ we're joined to jesus he's not going to slash and burn you know i some i see some people gardening we've got someone near us who pruned one of my shrubs a couple of years ago and uh did it in June, just before the thing flowered. There's, because they didn't know what they were doing. There's a God who doesn't know what they're doing. Our Father knows exactly what he's doing in our lives. He's not a slash and burn, because he's, his vine is the body of his son. He's, he's tender. He's, we're the object of his care and his love. He cuts what's unfruitful out. He prunes what is fruitful, so it will bear even more fruit and better quality fruit i can remember my daddy had this pair of scissors it was the end of it was about that long little handles really long pointy ones so you could get right into the bunch you think oh that bunch has got millions of grapes on it well not millions but lots and, and he would go up this long ladder and you'd see him take ages so carefully cutting down the you think ow why why are you cutting off potential grapes because because he left it if he left it all there they'd all be the size of a pea but he carefully pruned carefully getting the scissors in there why because he wanted quality stuff so you prune back the branches uh, and then you prune out as it gets a bit bigger and develops you actually prune out whole bunches cut why are you cutting off bunches of grapes for? Because they won't mature if I don't prune them. Of course, a grape doesn't know that. It's just a grape. It's just a branch just hanging around, joined to the, to the roots. It's going to bear fruit. But it looks to me as an ignorant you know, teenager, what are you doing? Why are you cutting off? No, actually, he knew exactly what he's doing. You thin out the bunches, and then within the bunch, you thin out the grapes. That's, that's a great picture of what God does in our lives. Some of the mysteries that we grapple with in our life. Some, I, I find when things happen in my life, if I know the reason, it's easy. When I, it's when I don't know the reason, and just like Mel shed, and you can't see what's this about then, and why has that happened? That's hard. But we're in the hands of a loving Heavenly Father. And of course, some things happen because people do wrong things. And we live in a fallen world. But our Father is heavenly pruning us so that we bear much fruit. Here's the last thing. Or is there more over the page? No, it's the last thing. <laughs> Just checking. Our job is, he says, remain. That word comes several times. Just, re- just remain. It's, it sounds passive, but it's, it's not passive. 
It's stay connected to Jesus. Stay in oneness of life with him. Have a life-giving relationship with Jesus. He talks in, in verse 7 about his word remaining in us. That means grabbing hold of the things he said, either in the Bible or prophetically. Oh, make them part of you. Oh, when words come and go, well, write them down. Pray over them. Write down things God said to you. Let, let my words remain in you. He says in verse 9, remain in my love. It's lovely this morning in the worship that Jim just stilled us down and said, Let, let's just open up our heart. I don't know how you do that. I only know how I do it. But I, just receive something from God in your, in your heart, in your spirit. Remaining my love, he says in, in verse 9. I don't know how you do that. I, I love reading the Gospels. Some of us need to go for a prayer walk and talk with him, worship him. Enjoy your union with him and you will bear much fruit. The authorised version translates it to abide in me. Some of us will be used to that translation. Which just means live in. Live in me. It's, it's the, there are two words in the Greek. It's a bit of Greek now, showing off. But there's two Greek languages, for, uh, two Greek words in, in for to live or abide. One is the kind of thing you do in a travel lodge. What I do in a travel lodge or a premier inn is, is I don't even bother unpacking stuff because I'm only there a night. I just, you know, toothbrush, jump into bed, wake up, put your clothes on and you're off. That, it's, it's not that kind of word. I'm living there, but not really. It's, it's not that kind of thing. It's not... It's not a quick pop in with Jesus. Hi, Jesus, I'm here again. It's Sunday. Bye. That's, it's, not, it's not Premier Inn Christianity. It's not that. Now, the word for abide in him, it's, it's more what you do when you get back from holiday, when you've got your favorite armchair, and, and, you, and you kick off your shoes, and you find your slippers, and you make a cup of your favorite coffee, and you put on Match of the Day, or probably a history documentary for my wife, and... and See what I live with, and uh, see what she lives with. <laughs> and, and, uh, but it's when you think, ah, oh, I'm at home. That's a different thing, isn't it? What, what he's saying is, hey, be, be at home with me. Make me your home. Make me your home, home base. Make, make, make me the one you sit with and relax with. Make, make me the one. That, that you drink with, that you, that you sup from. That's the kind of relationship Jesus wants with us. And that's the way we produce fruit. It's an organic relationship with Jesus. When we become Christians, he, it's not like he's added us to a membership list. It's not like that at all. He loves us. He wants to talk with us and walk with us in, in the real stuff of life. J.C. Ryle as an Anglican uh, bishop, I think, he, he said, he translates this, cling to him. Brother Lawrence used to talk about practicing the presence of Christ. Be part of him. And in that way, we'll bear much fruit. So I believe that's one of the, one of the things God's teaching us at this time. I, I'm sure that we've got to learn to pray in ways that we haven't yet learned to pray. Maybe we'll, we'll get another opportunity to be in the Granary Building because that, that inspires us, doesn't it, to pray. I, I'm sure that um, he'll teach many of us to give 
sacrificially, which is a good thing. It's actually a blessing. Giving is not a loss. Jesus said it's more blessed, it's more happy, (laughs) three times happier to give than to receive. And I love receiving stuff. But it's three times more fun to give stuff. Some of you look a bit doubtful about that, but believe me, it's the boss who said it. I'm sure we'll learn to, to, uh, to give sacrificially, to pray. But this verse is just about dependency on him. I just want to encourage all of us who are part of the church, if you're visiting, I want to encourage you as well. If you don't know Jesus, get connected to him. It's, it's the best way forward. It's the only way forward to know peace, because he's the Prince of Peace, to know forgiveness. He's the super counselor if you're stuck in life. He's the only righteousness that can stand the gaze of God. Get to know him. If you do know him, I want want to encourage you. Stay connected with him this week. Don't don't try and do Christianity without him. Get stuck into the vine in a vital way. Amen. Well said, little man. Let's pray, shall we? Then it'll be time to chat and our children will come back in and, and join us. Lord, thank you that you are a speaking God. Every day your, your voice has gone out into all the earth. Thank you that you spoke supremely through Jesus. Thank you that you speak through your word. Thank you that you give us also prophetic words to weigh and to pray over. We uh, ask you that um, you would give to us some of what even unrighteous people may have stored up, that you would find ways for that finance to flow to us. Thank you that you have invested, you have put the lights on to a, a new development which gives us a sign that, that, that it's, it's going to happen, that you are interested. We thank you that it's not our building fund, it's not even our building, but it's all yours. And we ask you that, um, that uh, the accumulator would keep clicking and clicking up to the kind of figures that were spoken of in that picture. We ask you also as we... Uh, as we pause at those, the oak trees of uh, Mamre or whatever it was, that you would help us to fully gain from all you're teaching us. Speak with us often and deeply, Lord, that we would be people who learn to pray and talk with you and grow in our dependency upon you. Guide us uh, in the coming couple of weeks as we contemplate and pray and talk to one another about what you would have us give sacrificially. We ask you that we would know the joy of giving, being being even more happy than receiving in Jesus' name. Glorify your name and we ask you, Lord, with great expectation that as we abide in total dependence on you, you would cause us to bear much fruit, quite naturally. Fruit that remains, that lasts, that gives you much glory and us much joy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to stop there. God bless you. Enjoy the rest.